We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, the hockey fan in me is pretty jazzed to get a chance to sit down with Penguins president of hockey operations, former general manager, media analyst, and newly published author, Brian Burke. We chat about Sidney Crosby's future, how being in the media has helped him in the front office, and why the Leafs won't win the cup this year. Ah, not again. We're sipping on a couple of cold brewskis. This is Drinks with Binks. everyone welcome on into drinks with binks i'm julie stewart binks as you know this is the show that hangs out with some of the coolest people in sports entertainment and media over uh, a drink of their choice and we've had some really cool people on this show we've been doing it for almost a year from home and today our guest is very special to me and my interests because you guys know i love hockey i play the game i've been a fan since i was uh, a kid and i love to cover it and especially now going forward in terms of of, of growing the game with diversity and inclusion, and my guest is all about that. I'm very pleased to be able to welcome on none other than President of Hockey Operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, former general manager, media analyst, also recently published his book, Burke's Law, A Life in Hockey, none other than Brian Burke. Thank you so much for joining us today, Burke. We know you're busy, but we really appreciate the time. Well, thank you for inviting me on. Now, of course, on the show, we got the, the drinks with Binks. My last name is Stuart Binks. And uh, what did you decide to choose for us to sip on today, Berkey? I, uh, I was going to do a Bacardi and Diet Coke, which is my drink of choice. But today, we're going to do a Coors Light out of a Pittsburgh Penguins cup. I love it. And I poured a beer into my, oh, my Toronto Maple Leafs mug. We also like to uh, cheers and toast on the show. So what are we toasting to today? Let's toast to the Penguins today. Okay. Here's to the Penguins. All right. Toast to the Penguins. Now, um, Brian, you've been, so much has changed for you in the last little while. And first of all, congratulations. I will, you know, tip my mug to you doing so well with the book and then now with the Penguins. Uh, how, how, is, how is life settling in for you? Well, this was unexpected. The, the Pittsburgh job was unexpected. I was talking to David Morehouse, the CEO, about potential candidates and, and telling him, you know, this is what this guy's good at, this is what this guy's good at. 
and he was talking to Mario, and, and Mario said, geez, you seem to know a lot about all of these guys. And he said, well, I've been talking to Brian Burke. And Mario said, Berkey, we should be talking to him. And they offered me the job the next day, and it happened very suddenly. Um, I've only had to move mid-season once before. It's really it's hard enough to move in the off-season, which I've done a number of times, but moving in the in the middle of the season is pretty hectic. So it's been a furious, fast, and uh crazy first two weeks but uh it actually drove down here two weeks ago yesterday so found a place to live i move in at the end of march now i gotta buy furniture set up my banking set up my cell phone all that stuff so it's uh but it's wonderful too i'm really excited when you look at your team right now you have some of the best players in the world on it including i do have to ask with Sidney crosby it's been over 10 years to the day of which he you know, one of my favorite memories, probably not yours, but one uh, gold for Canada against your Team USA. Have you guys uh, discussed that at all? Uh, I've joked with him about it in the past. Uh, obviously, I'm kind of tied at the waist a little bit with Sid because we lost the lottery the year he came into Pittsburgh. I was in Anaheim. We came in second. We drafted Bobby Ryan, who's had a good career. He's a great kid. But I've had five players play for me that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I think Sid's the best player I've ever had. So it's an honor to work with him. Um, but, yeah, I've, I have in a prior conversation brought that goal up. But you know, we want to uh, that team in Vancouver in 2010 was picked to finish sixth, the American team. We won a silver medal. The guy was so proud of the guys. They overachieved, but we came up just short. We forced overtime in the gold medal game and then just couldn't get it done. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it's one of the, the best games ever, really, just to, to watch as a fan, of course, depending on the outcome. Yada, 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 Canada was just uh, superior that day. Um, but in terms of Sid, he's been producing. He's, uh, he's a, you know, a world-class player, one of the best that you've ever seen. You also have Malkin, Chris Letang. But there is some criticism in the idea that they're getting older. Uh, is the window closing? What challenges are, are presented to you in terms of maybe prying that window open and getting the most you can out of these guys? Well, and that's that's the goal, to see if we can add this year and, and see how far we can get with the group. Now, yes, we're, we're the team's getting older. The stars are getting older. But since I've been here, they've all been excellent. Like, there's no drop-off in play. Maybe from 100-point seasons there is, but there's no drop-off from these three because I put Chris Letang in there, too. He's been unbelievable lately. So we think we've got three-star players that are still, maybe they're not in their best producing years, but they're still really good players. And we got to see if we can put something else on the team and see what we can do in the playoffs, if we can make the playoffs, and then see what we can do. That's the goal without sacrificing futures. We have no first, we have no third, we have no fourth. Um, so we've traded a lot of draft picks. We've got to hang on to the ones we have and then see what we can do. But then also in a way on that, because of the year that we're living in with the pandemic, uh, you don't really know, and maybe I, I'm just speaking, you know, sort of off the cuff, but like with with prospects and player, players coming up that haven't been drafted because of the various leagues and the them not operating at the level that they would have before, you would have to think that, that what you have and what you know, like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't right now. Yeah, they, and, and again, it's not being critical of Jimmy. He's got two rings, right, from Pittsburgh. He's got three rings total, but he's got two rings from here. When Jimmy Rutherford buys gas for the rest of his life, he's wearing two Pittsburgh rings. So you can't be critical of anything that was done. Like someone, anyone who criticized any of my moves in, in Anaheim after we won it, I'd be like, hey, I'm wearing a ring. 
That's a, that's the end of the argument. Did we do the right thing? I got two rings. So not no criticism intended and, and none meant, but certainly uh, the cupboard is bare or almost bare in terms of prospects and picks, and that's the price of winning cups, and that's the price I'll happily pay coming here. Like I've never never looked at a hill and said that hill's too steep. So we've got some tough decisions. The questions you're asking, Julie, are very fair, and they're right. And so we have to figure that out. But the main thing is we've still got three big pieces on the chessboard. Our goaltending has been spectacular so far since I got here. These guys are getting the job done really well. So we got to see if we can add to this group without forfeiting futures, which people say, how do you do that? You have to make some trades probably. But we'll see if we can do it. Uh, we'll look at some free agents, and uh, we'll see what we can do. But there are some tough decisions ahead, and there's no question. Ownership gets that. Yes, certainly. And I'm sure that it, it is a very different situation now in a pandemic where there's a whole other layer added yeah. to trying to figure everything out, which I do want to ask you about, but we have to take a quick break. We are here with Brian Burke, president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, sipping on drinks with Binks. We'll be back after this. Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. I'm so fortunate to be joined by President of Hockey Operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Brian Burke. And we are sipping on a little bit of beer out of our hockey mugs. I just happen to have a Toronto Maple Leafs mug and uh, Berkey's got a Pittsburgh Penguins mug. When you were at Sportsnet in Canada, um, I mean, you did a great job as an analyst, and I, I can imagine that was a, an interesting role to go from being with a team to then being on television. Uh, in what way now, now that you're back with a team, has sort of the lens in which you look at players through changed because of your experience in media? Well, I worked, uh, you're probably too young to remember this, Julie, but I worked during the lockout in 0405. I worked for in the media with TSN in Canada. So I'd done a, a full year, basically a full year. I did the draft for TSN, then I did the World Cup for Hockey Night in Canada, and then I went back to TSN for the rest of the year and did labor reporting on the on the collective bargaining. So I had a pretty extensive resume you know, for a hockey executive to work a full year in the media. So I've always respected, uh, when I worked for the late great Pat Quinn, he was adamant about that. He said, look, we can only get 18,000 people in the building. And if there's 4 million people in greater Vancouver, which there was back then, I'm pretty sure, three and a half, four million, the only way we reach, so we only get a tiny number in, tiny number, tiny percentage into the building. The only way we reach the other people is through, if they watch it on TV, listen on radio, read about it in the newspaper. So we have to, we have to maximize our media coverage. We have to cooperate with them. So I've always had, I've had, some numerous uh, outspoken battles with different members of the media who I think are dirtbags. But by and large, uh, my approach with the media has been be honest, be approachable, and give them colorful quotes. You know, like you can say after a bad game, you can say, we didn't really play well last night. Or you can say last night we couldn't knock a sick goat off a stump. Well, which, is, which one's going to get on TV? So I've tried to give them content that they can use that's colorful, that's interesting. Uh, and working at Sportsnet was fantastic. What a great place to work. The, I loved the people I worked for, and I loved the people I worked with. And when you have that combination, you got a pretty special job. So I enjoyed it very much. 
That is a very interesting approach, and it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, when you look at the people that you, you worked with, Elliot Friedman, of course, one of them, uh, an insider, does an, a fantastic job. In Maybe how has your view on insiders been influenced by being around them and now being back again on the other side where their, their whole job is to get information out of you? Yeah, well, two years ago, uh, the NHL does a great thing. And it started when I was doing hockey ops for the league. So they have a long meeting in March where they focus on rule changes. And it's always, it's in Florida now every year. And it's the coolest meeting you go to as a GM because you just focus on the rules. So it wasn't my idea. I think it was Mr. Gregory, the late, great Jim Gregory, who said, why don't we bring in a former GM who's been a GM for a thousand games and honor him? So that has become part of that, that long meeting in March. And it's fantastic. So they brought me down two years ago with Neil Smith. And uh, Neil Smith, of course, longtime executive, won a cup with the Rangers in 94. Great guy, good friend. And me. And so when I got up, I, I said, the first bit of advice I have to you guys is shut up. It's too, like, it is unbelievable what Elliot and Chris Johnson get from teams. Information that really isn't, shouldn't be part of the public domain at all. But people tell them, it's unbelievable to me what, like, Elliot, last year, Elliot said, have you seen the agenda for the Board of Governors meeting? And I'm like, no, how would I get that? He said, you want to look at it? He had gotten it, you know, like a half hour after it went out from someone in hockey, someone at the governor level, so a GM or up. And so I said to these guys, you talk too much. Elliot works really hard at it, Three, 365 days a year, 24-7. He's on the phone all the time. So does CJ. Those guys get unbelievable stuff. And, and you're like, how did you find that out? And, of course, they'll never tell you their sources, but uh, they do a really good job. And I think it provides, mm -hmm. in Canada at least, people are acutely interested in insider information. Those guys have great followings. And when they when they come on together and do the insider segment of the hockey night, people tune in and listen. Mm -hmm. And the stuff they come up with is usually pretty special. Yeah, it really is. I, I was just saying that I saw on Hockey Night this past weekend, it's it's stuff around the league with that. But in, but for you specifically, Berkey, how do you feel now? Like if Elliot's like, hey, you know, let me know what's up. Are you just like, hey, nope, not yeah. for me? Or you say, eh, no, I know I you now. I know the biz. Well, I like Elliot immensely, but I have no intention of helping him get information for his insider segment. So he, he texted me about something the other day, and I just shut him down. So. <laughs> He's a great guy. He's a pain in, pain in the butt to work with. But he's a great guy. He gave me a nice Christmas. He's a pain in the butt to work with. How come? Oh, Christ. He, he, <laughs> first off, he can't sit still. So if you watch him, he can't sit in a chair for half an hour and watch hockey. He's on the phone constantly. He's fiddling with his laptop. He gets up and walks around like, like me. I can sit and watch hockey for five hours and not move once, except unless I have to get a beer. And Elliot is getting up, he's walking around, he's rocking on his feet like he can't stand still. Drives you nuts, but he's a great guy. When I was watching you on television, I was back in Canada this summer, and this has been a constant theme in your life. And, and I've, been very, uh, I've been very proud of what you've done with inclusivity and just the messages you've, you've spread throughout the hockey world. But when, when we look at you were, I think you were on with David Amber at the time on Sportsnet and talking about how hockey has an inclusivity uh, problem, but then now being on the other side in, in hockey, where do you start 
in terms of what you can now tangibly do with the sport? There's no short answer. The answer is the league has already taken great steps toward inclusivity. They've done a great job. They haven't, we haven't had to pull them into anything. They've jumped right in the fight with us on the LGBTQ stuff. And I will say quickly, my late son, Brendan, was gay. That's why it's such a focal point for our family. But uh, the NHL has been fantastic to work with. They are determined to get to a barrier-free sport. Definitely, and that uh, I'm sure starts at the younger levels of being able to have more accessibility for younger kids from all all walks of life being able to play the sport because it is an expensive one. We will be back with more with Brian Burke from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Don't go anywhere. This is Drinks with Binks. Welcome on back to Drinks with Thanks. I'm JSB and we've got Brian Burke from the Pittsburgh Penguins here with us today. And we were just discussing in- inclusivity and, and many different things that need to be changed within the sport um, to make it more diverse uh, amongst many other things. But Brian, um, just from your perspective, from your level in management, what's maybe one thing that you can think about or talk to other people about or do to try to start that? Well, I think we're well down the road. Uh... For example, uh, the hiring practices of NHL teams have changed dramatically to be more inclusive. That's a positive step. Broadcast industry has become more inclusive. That's a positive step. So I think we're well down the road. Like, you're too young, Julie. I'm a lot older than you are. And I remember remember telling my daughters, we were watching Sportsnet the other night, and the host was Carolyn Cameron, and the two commentators were Anthony Stewart and Jennifer Botterill. And I said to my daughters, you would have never seen this when I was a kid. A black man on TV, two women on TV, you would never have seen that when I was a kid. Not in sports, maybe in the news, but not in sports. So I, mm-hmm. I've had the benefit yeah. of being in the business for over 40 years, including the agent business. I've seen dramatic change already. We're going the right way. We're not going fast enough and we're not going far enough, but we're going the right way. The biggest problem for me is... Um, I think we've made inroads on the hiring side, which is really important. I think where, this, where the, the race issue comes in in our sport is, you said this earlier, the game is too expensive. And so this is not, and the game's difficult. So there's no kiss on the first date in hockey. The first time you go out and play, you suck in it, and the ice is hard, and you fall down 50 times, and it's no fun. So you got to go out. And it's not like, you take a 10-year-old girl to an elementary school in the neighborhood and give her a basketball and she shoots 10 free throws, she might only make one, but she's going to make one. And after just a couple hours of dribbling and passing, she, she has a basic competence where she can enjoy the sport. Same with baseball and football. Kids can throw a football and they don't need a teammate. They don't need equipment. Here, you got to have equipment. You got to get ice. You got to learn mm-hmm. to skate. And then you got to learn all the hand skills too. It's the hardest sport in the world to play. And it's one of the most expensive. So we've got to find a way. And that's where the expense is where it slashes across racial lines because it adverse, the cost of the game adversely impacts people who are on the lower end of the economic spectrum. We have got to find a way to make the game more mm-hmm. affordable, accessible to people of color and people with lower incomes. When we were kids, um, we sold soap, right? To, and we sold candy bars. For You'd have to sell semi seven semi truckloads full of chocolate to pay for one kid anthony stewart i work with at sportsnet he he works in youth hockey 
$8,000 a year it costs a kid to play for his team. $8,000. Okay, so that's something we've got to address. Getting the kids equipment, getting them ice time, which costs, you know, $500 an hour in some places now. Getting them ice time enough times. They've got to mm -hmm. play like 20 times before they have a basic competence where they can enjoy the game. We've got to work on those things. And again, the NHL is well down that road, but we've got to do more. It's true. They, those are definitely some barriers to entry into the sport. And um, I think that we've already seen so much of your stamp on the game with in, in terms of inclusivity uh, across the spectrum and what you are still doing right now. And with your book, Burke's Law, A Life in Hockey, I have to ask you about Toronto because I am a Toronto native. What's something the fans of the Leafs couldn't possibly understand about what it's like to be the general manager of the really the most famous NHL team? Well, it's not, it's beyond debate. It's the Vatican. There's no question about it. And I think uh, I'm honored that I was a GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's something I say to people with, with great honor. I didn't get the job done there and they replaced me, but that's fine. I, I, I was honored to be a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, and to be a GM of that team. Um, I think the if you look in the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room, it's massive. And people always say, oh, it's really luxurious. It's massive for the media, not massive for the players. I would rather the players be about 10 feet apart so they could make eye contact and talk to one another during games. So after a hockey night game, if you play Montreal on a Saturday night, there'd be a hundred people in there. And so when the team isn't playing well, they all mm -hmm. pick up a rock. So 20 throw a rock at me, 20 at coach Ron Wilson, 20 at Phil Kessel, 20 at, at Dion Phaneuf. There's overwhelming negativity, not because the media is negative or unfair, but because the sheer volume of it. And of course, when I broke in, there was no social media. That's become a major problem for pro teams. But in general, I mean, they got a real good team in Toronto this year. It might be their year. I don't think so. I don't think their D's good enough, but uh, they, they're going the right way for sure. Ooh, okay. I think what they have to do, in my own opinion, now I work for a team, I should keep my mouth shut, but I said this on the air before I left. I think they've got too much money tied up in forwards, and they can fix that. But they, they are playing, like I watched them play, was it the uh, night before last, I guess it was, and they're playing playoff hockey right now. They play without Austin Matthews. Mm -hmm. And they look really good. And the one thing for me as a TV guy is when can you see all five players in the shot, right? So you saw a shot of the Toronto end. And last year you would have seen three guys or four guys. Now you see five. All five Leafs are back in their own end playing defense. And then you see a shot when they're attacking and all five Leafs are in the attacking zone. They're playing a much different, much more playoff-oriented brand of hockey. Yes, they are looking like they're peaking right now at the right time, but also I worry about that as a fan. I've said that, of course, um, that they're peaking too early and that when push comes to shove, and I'm really not sure how this North Division sort of stacks up against the other divisions, but I'll take it. It's it's going well for them right now, and that's all we can ask for, especially during a pandemic. we got to take a quick time out with Brian Burke. We'll be back with him and more on Drinks with Things. Don't go anywhere. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it.
Subscribe on YouTube and follow us on all social media at Fubo Sports. Well, guys, we've had now some time drinking and banking here with president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, former general manager, media analyst, Brian Burke. So many more questions I'd like to ask you, but we're out of time. Can you tell everyone where we can find your work next? We know that you have your book, uh, Burke's Law. Yeah, you can get the book uh, in Canada on Indigo or Chapters. Uh, and I think it's Amazon is the, the, the where most people are buying the book in the States. Um, I hope people who buy it enjoy it that was my main goal was to give people i told stephen brunt who wrote the book with me i wanted people to feel like they were standing next to me and i think the book does that so you go through like this the deals to get the sedine twins uh the deals to get the pavel burry out of his contract with russia i think people felt like they were standing next to me and stephen did a great job so i hope you enjoy it and uh i do have a twitter account my daughter katie handles it for me i can't touch it so my kids don't let me near it, but it is it is my account. It is verified, and it is my, those are my tweets. I tell Katie what to write, but she takes care of it for me. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and again, then also if anything was to happen, Katie, that's all on you at this point. Um, yep. Brian, thank you so much for joining us here, and uh, we hope that you have continued success with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and maybe these teams will end up meeting each other at some point. Um, good luck with the future, and guys, we will see you next time. Make sure you you can follow all of our content, see all of other episodes on Fubo, uh, at Fubo Sports, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, bottoms up, bitches. <laughs>